Episode 82, uh, biggest show in the history of dual state podcasts. At a 12, every quarter at 1220 uh, the biggest Tumblr site in the history of podcast tumblers. Uh, we talk about industry news. Just missed my break. Uh, the books we're reading. And we do a book club. The book club is concrete. Let's go around the room and introduce the hosts with the most. Uh, to my left, he's a father now. He's a uh, a writer, unpublished, barely, barely, uh, barely a father, barely a writer. Look at him; he's a mess. Great Jonesy hair, loves beer. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, and thank you, um, live listener, for tuning in tonight to see my cherub <laughs> face uh, messing with the color on your monitor. Don't forget to thank the Freemason barber. Who gave you a free haircut? I'm doing a secret sign right underneath the screen. You can't even see. <laughs> uh, to his right, wearing a regal gown, I guess possibly a blanket. He's also a father. He's the VP VP of Scotch, essentially of the show. He used to write an article for the website called Pixel Keg. We talked about talk about web comics. This guy was a trailblazer. We talked about this. Retweeted Nobody does that. The president of the internet, I believe. Welcome back to the show, Dale underscore A. I was going to say I felt like uh, Kate Beckinsale on Serendipity with my blanket on, but now you just you just totally made me invert with that pixel cake remark uh, inside it's, myself. It's, it's a delight to be back together with the three of us, the three official hosts of the show. The original three. There have never been more th- more than three hosts of this show, and I'm excited to talk about Concrete later in the show. Yeah, it's, I mean, the three of us, week in and week out, we talk about these books, and my opinion will shock you. <laughs> shock you. Yeah, I bet. It will be inflammatory. Um, what a show we have planned. So, papercake.com, you know, it's a website that we post our shows at. There's also a sister podcast, I think, still kicking around, Papercake West. You know, they love us. They love comics. Mm. They love everybody. Mm-hmm. Check them out if you want. You know, who knows? 
poor thing. Nobody's going to pull a bullet in that thing, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I went to John Stump's funeral. I, I remember that. <laughs> all right. Let's let's get into some news, all right? Please do. I'm going to bring up something that's that sort of blew my mind, but it didn't um it didn't surprise me, but it did. All right. And it's all wrapped around this Spider-Man 700. Guy buys, you know, oodles of copies of Spider-Man 700 speculator, if you will. Sells the free digital codes online. What? What? He's making extra money. He's he's selling the free digital codes for less than what you would pay digitally for the comic. But is it's that free le- is that because legal? he bought is that the ethical? books anyway. I, I, that's what I wanted to bring up. Like that blew my mind because I would never. Maybe I'd give. Well, I wouldn't give my digital codes away for free, not even for listeners of the show. But <laughs> we have come across free digital codes volunteered by other people in the past. Um, uh-huh. I would never, I could never sell my code for money. I would you'd give never, it away. You would never do that. You would never prostitute your digital codes. No. I mean, so, like, that's what like if, a whole what new rent, market. What that's rent, a whole aftermarket for comics. For three fifty for dollars for an Amazing Spider-Man digital code. I mean, you could buy almost four digital comics on sale for that price. Jonesy, would you sell your digital codes? No, um, just because I don't know how to do that is probably the main reason keeping me from doing it. But so cute. Uh, no, I mean that's awful. I mean anybody who's a comics fan should be able to support the creators, not to make a buck. Those guys live in in squalor. No medical he, benefits. Yeah. Here's you know. the thing, though. Would you buy digital codes? Oh my! Well, from I, somebody who was selling selling the code cheaper than what the comic cost. No, that's that's like stealing a cane off a polio victim. It's just not the right <laughs> thing to do. Is that's this the... victim been dead for 30 years? Because that's the when was the last person that had polio alive? I I'm sure there is none still living, but you know, maybe there's an old person with polio and they have a digital cane and they're like for the first time I could walk <laughs> and support myself and I was like, I'll be taking that cane, thanks. Polio just, victims uh, have it. digital canes and they're reading Digital comic books. You yeah. heard it here first. This is breaking news. This no other podcast, unreal. folks. Nowhere else can you get this late this breaking Al Jazeera. News. I'll have to uh, do some uh, PR for the South Jersey Polio Association. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully, there are no comic fans who listen to Paper Keg in, in that association. They've yeah, needed so a voice for a long time, Dale, and now they have it. <laughs> That's right. They have, uh, I don't know about these digital codes sellings. I don't know. It's a weird, we're in a weird world. We're in a weird, futuristic Blade Runner world where people are reselling digital comic codes, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, it it really, like like I said, it do, it didn't surprise me, but I don't know. It's just futuristic, and it's skeevy, mm. and it's creepy all at the same time. But creepy. I can understand why somebody would see the... Want, somebody would take advantage of that because... You know, they bought the copy print anyway, and if they aren't wedded to, if they don't have a tablet, or if they don't read digital comics because they have the print comics, why waste the code? Why wouldn't you want to keep that code? I mean, I, I get know. people, some people aren't uh, digital buyers, and they, they, you know, they don't think they ever will, but why wouldn't you want to keep it? 
Maybe you're a collector. Don't you, don't you have to peel something off to get that code? Yeah, you do have to peel a sticker off. But, I mean, even if I didn't have a tablet, I'd probably still be re- redeeming like a mother mm-hmm. in case I ever did get a tablet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just, it kind of, it opens up gateways and pathways to drugs. New, to drugs. It's a marijuana gateway. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably Mushrooms. unprotected unprotected sexual encounters you know, uh, with loose women. Right. Yep. Horny goat weed smuggling. <laughs> Let's pick with the teens now. This is actually not an R-rated podcast, so I, I, I preferred if you gentlemen would keep it clean for our listeners. Um, uh, show oh, you're sponsor, right. you're the right. comic book shop in Delaware. I'll so thanks everyone today, in the uh, store for listening right now. Thank you, Sarah and Titus, for your hospitality. The Tai Tai, Rocco. A little bit more news. Guess who, uh, Warren Ellis, you all know the name. Love him to death. He's got a book out, Gun Machine. I can't throw a shoe without hearing someone talk about Gun Machine <laughs> or giving it a review. Uh, I, I will listen only to the audio book. I have no time for print books anymore. Oh, Apologies. God. Apologies to the Gun Machine uh, crew and team who put that nice book together. Mr. Rob Liefeld uh, brought him up as being his role model. Mr. Well, Warren Ellis. Wait. Who's who's whose role model? Warren Ellis is Rob Liefeld's role model. Really? Do tell. What is what's the backstory on this? I want to hear more. Well, you know, Rob Liefeld super binging on his tweets, uh exclamation points at the wazoo in those tweets. Yeah, and just throwing people under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, he called, he called Mike Carlin. I don't, I honestly don't know who Mike Carlin is. He's some, somebody at DC. I think he's an editor probably. You used called to work him, at Wizard. He called him a fat pig. <laughs> <laughs> now, where was the Warren Ellis tweet that he followed in the footsteps for that? <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Just <laughs> no one, no, I don't know. When was the last time fat pig was used as like a, as an insult? I mean, who was the person that's that's calling people fat pigs? That is, uh, it's comedy gold. I mean, <laughs> fat pig is. Oh man, I can't stop laughing at that. Um, he originally complimented Warren Ellis because Warren Ellis's treatment of and use of social media, and how he published his weekly newsletter interacted with his fans and uh, obviously it's a, it's something to look up to yeah and rob liefeld uh, followed in his footsteps by calling somebody a fat pig and um starting trying to start a, a digital fight with scott snyder that was a that was a reprehensible f- battle if there, if there ever was one on twitter Man, yeah remember that scott that, snyder is like the nicest guy on the planet anybody you could pull off gray pants with a gray hoodie is Did he? Ace is my book. He's the maestro. Are you wearing gray sweatpants right now, Gen Z? Can you deny that fact? They're not. I have gray flannel pajama pants on. I'll tell you what I love about, uh, um, what's his name? Will, who are we talking about? Uh, Scott Snyder. Mike Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis is his name. His Instagram likes, holy smoke, you want to curl up at night after your significant other has gone to sleep, load up. His Instagram likes of some sexy women. Really? That'll put you to, oh my lord. Mm. Is that it guy better? Is into, he's into some dark crowds. You know, I don't know what kind of parties they get to late at night. Dark Full crowds. Full nudes, I bet. 
Um, let's pause the show right now so I can just <laughs> quick follow him on Instagram. Yeah, if we right. can all do the one, two, three, pause. Uh, so I think that would be the first time the phrase full nudes has been brought up on Paper Keg, and I'm very proud to be that person to have brought it up. In a tasteful manner, I'm of sure. Of course, tastefully nude. <clears throat> we do have a uh, in, in a different sort of news, Paper Keg news, right? My favorite kind. We got a, a, a one of these fangled theme shows that we talked about doing every so often we yeah, sort of pollyanna paper keg was sort of a theme yeah it was in a this, the, these themes are in a show member's contract they were written in 75 percent of us were on board for that pollyanna episode <laughs> jonesy just really he never forgets he <laughs> <laughs> literally just did a karate move on camera <laughs> <laughs> that I want to make a gif forever. <laughs> Somebody please make that into a gif. Um you yeah, you're like a you're an, you're like an emotional sponge. You never forget any moments <laughs> that have caused any kind of emotion to you. So yeah, the theme, now, what's uh, the th- what's the theme happening? Well, this first theme coming up is going to be a no capes episode. I love it. So, you know, that's going to be tough. Invincible doesn't wear a cape. <laughs> uh, Invincible is on perma ban. From the show, that's, that's right. We'll never, never be able to talk about that book ever Invincible, again. Invincible, Planetary, uh, uh, He-Man, Smallville, he- oh, Arrow. On, Jake Ellis is on Permaban. For those Luther that don't Street. know, for those God. that are new listeners, first of all, thanks for making it through so far. But Perma, <laughs> anything that has a Permaban means Jonesy has talked about it on eight consecutive weeks, and it has been banned <laughs> from the show. Right. Uh, no capes episode. No superhero books. No. Uh, nothing of that nature mm-hmm. for the roundtable discussion. For the, uh, I, if I could, I could maybe structure my news around it. Yeah, no news involving capes. I usually duke up the news pretty well, so who knows <laughs> when? Who knows what's going to happen come show record time? Um, and the uh, book club book will be in no capes, and we'll be discussing that later on in the show. Some book club ideas. We have some ideas we need to marinate over. You know, possibly after the show. Stay tuned. But we're running out of time. We need to get to um, the book, the books that we read this week. You know, we read a lot of books. We have a lot of free time. We're just not that busy. So we read comics. And uh, one man has informed us that we would be shocked by his picks. And he is currently an unpublished, never been so let's hear what he read this week. Uh, I read the Transformers Rage of the Dinobots. You guys hear about this? Love me, I love me some Dinobots, I can tell. Um, this story places the leader of the Dinobots, Grimlock, in the leadership role, the starring role of a story of the Dinobots who are on Cybertron, like almost directly after Optimus and Megatron flee to go fight on the earth. Um, and it's Grimlock kind of leading his squad through like a war zone and try to figure out what's the next step of how to regroup now that their leader's gone, Optimus, the leader of the Autobots. And it also sprinkles in there this B plot of how they actually became dinosaurs and how, you know, what changes that's made to them as uh, characters, like how they got from the intelligent scientific autobots to these you know primal beings that are dinobots 
drink every time I say Dinobots for this episode? I'm dead. <laughs> uh, this was great. It reminded me of the old uh, Hama issues of G.I. Joe and Transformers back in the day. It presents mm-hmm. uh, the D-Bots as a like Green Beret style uh, get it done no matter what squad who's willing to take everybody out. Kind of more mature tone than some of the other Transformers titles, and it's on the same level of quality as Transformers Autocracy. So Did they actually wear berets? Because that would be pretty adorable. Oh my god, yeah. I wish they had. Dinosaur I'm going to go berets. back in with a green pencil and draw it on my iPad that for works. every panel. Uh, really good. I recommend you check it out. I feel so... I don't know. I feel... how is it just me, or does it seem like there's just 150 different Transformer comics out there? And they're all mini series, and they all have subtitles, and it's it just overwhelming to me. I I want to comment on that. I just I'm sitting back listening to Dale, and when Dale speaks, if you're watching this on video, he takes the big screen and he's wearing that blanket. It just looks like <laughs> um, it's like a, I don't know what's my my mother sews her own scars, but they're you, oh, they, they they look it looks like a shawl. You're wearing this kind of gorgeous shawl right now and it's just it's affecting me in ways that I just wasn't anticipating Slip, you know what just flashed in my head the scene from Superman 4 the quest for peace after Superman gets scratched on the back of the neck from nuclear man and he's in his apartment <laughs> with that red blanket and Lois Lane brings him like a cup of coffee and chicken soup that's uh, exactly what he looks like right now um, we look. love Dale he's he's probably my my favorite host I think my but uh, but there are there are a lot of Transformer comics out there. People love it. People eat that stuff up. They sure do. And uh, maybe I'll read one one of these days. Probably not. Um, you know what I liked is Autocracy. I yeah, that was like really Autocracy. good. The the Orion Pax pre Optimus <coughs> days. That was the uh, Digi Digi Experiment, right? That was, that was like Digi yeah. Digi Weekly, Week di- Week Digi, and it is now collected in our in our app. Disclaimer for Comicsology. And the art was really gorgeous, mm. very painted, very stony, which I think fit into the Transformers aesthetic, as they so, say. Is this Dinobot, uh, Jonesy? Is this Dinobot comic a mini series? Is it a one shot? It's I know. Well, I know issue two is out, so it, I think it's a just a mini. I think it ties in with the new Transformers game that just came out, or uh, maybe not Tigers. just came out, but maybe a month or two. Fall of yeah. Cybertron. Got a game coming out every three weeks. Feels like for Transformers. I had the overwhelming. uh, I had the first one, the War for Cybertron, where they're uh, they're all uh, like the semi futuristic vehicles, and I had like a multiplayer mode. I really enjoyed it. But um, as far as getting time to play anything now, forget about it. About the uh, the big Larry Hama announcement for the comic book shop in Delaware. Show sponsor. I uh, I'm thinking about bringing Jack with me and getting something signed. Get and his face signed. Larry Hamma holding my son. I don't know. Maybe it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. I uh, I did uh, get a little excited about that. I might have to get some of my old Wolverine signed. Get the long box out. Mm. Print comics. I remember them. And you I might have to man. bring some, get some Larry Hamma signatures on them. You know? Maybe have him sign my face. Comicbookshop.com. Check it out. What did you read this week, Dale? I read the... <clears throat> Jonathan Hickman, New Avengers number one. This title baffled me. This was like, this title, super written for the trade. 
I understand, I liked the fact that you didn't need any backstory of the Illuminati before going into number one. Basically, um, you know, the the Illuminati has met previously and has decided that they wanted to run the planet. Just these heads of the Illuminati, they were going to run the planet uh, regardless of, you know, what anybody else's input was going to have. They had the power. They had the knowledge. They wanted to protect Earth, so they were going to do it. It was uh, Reed Richards, Tony Stark, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and maybe a couple others. I cannot Professor quite X, remember. Professor X, right? Or Professor X, right. Uh, the only one who was opposed to this was Black Panther. Cut to Wakanda and uh, three up-and-comers... Uh, training to be superheroes of some kind, and um, it was like an expedition in Wakanda to mm-hmm. get the cream of the crop of the of the youngins. Yeah, they were they were the, they were the, on this test to see who was um, going to proceed further in the test in the uh, in the uh, program, and uh, Black Panther finds them, and they they step into this alternate dimension and this alternate dimension is about to be blown up if I'm, I'm to understand it there's these uh humans or humanoids descending from another planet onto this alternate wakanda and they are setting up a big bomb and they are going to wreck s <laughs> uh, black panther tries to stop them unfortunately these uh three young uh disciples all get blasted away, basically. Uh, red shirts, Wakandan red shirts, we'll call them. <laughs> and, and the last page is just the Illuminati getting off a plane and headed into the jungle with Black Panther. I was confused. I'll admit I'm, I didn't see what the hubbub was all about. Uh, maybe it's because I didn't know exactly what the Illuminati had to do with this alternate dimension or what they were going to do about it that the... what What's so special about this alternate dimension that you needed the Illuminati and not the Avengers and not uh, the Inhumans or or whatever? You guys, uh, are you following me when I when I say something like that? Or I am, am I crazy? I am following you. I mean, any story that, that brings in a team that isn't the Avengers is uh, sketchy. At best. Why bother? I mean, if it's not the all-new X-Men. Well, Jensen, what did you think? I have not yet read it. Um, I'd have, I'd probably have to say that this, other than the X-Men Legacy title, which I have no desire to read at all, uh, this is probably my least f- favorite so far Marvel what? Now title. What? But I, I will continue reading it because I'm, I'm not going to base it's Hickman, it off this. Bro. It's Hickman. Yeah, it's Hickman. This felt... This felt the most like a Hickman Fantastic Four book, which oh, is which man. could which is confusing, and you got to give it some time, spend some time with it. It definitely felt it definitely felt like one sixth of a story. Yeah. So um, you know, I'll give it another couple issues. I feel like any Hickman book you read, you have to assume that you're in it for the long haul, and you have to wait thirty days for everything to happen. Yeah, um, but I, the I mean the one thing. I do feel like this is a book that should be called The Illuminati. 
or it could have been the Illuminati miniseries, but mm-hmm. they're going to call it New Avengers, so whatever. And then, Maybe call it issue zero or something if it expands other characters. And then the the thing with um, Captain America's new costume is very confusing. Like, you have to figure out, is he wearing the movie costume? If he's not wearing the movie costume, that means it happens before Avengers. And if he is, that means it happens post-Avengers. It's just very confusing. Yeah, like, there's so confusing. many books that his costume is different in, and some artists just draw it like dog s. I mean that one, that one. What was that mini weekly miniseries that was out that he was in? Oh, the consequences. I mean, you want to? I'm not going to name names, but that oh. consequences series had someone drawing Captain America like I drew it with my left foot, mm-hmm. and it was an abomination. But I mean, it just t- it just takes you out of the story where it shouldn't. I mean, maybe it could be that I'm the only one. I I got to that last page and he's wearing the old costume and that was my first thought when I saw that page. It wasn't story related. It was just like, "Oh, he's not wearing that costume." Yeah, so yeah. I mean, what what more needs to be said? Nothing. And Black 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 Panther, I thought I could never get into Thor previously. Black Panther was is just like he's a chore to try to get into. And I didn't know he had like space Time space jumping powers and like bamfing powers. What I don't else would a Black Panther hero have his powers, Dale? You you dummy. That's true. Uh, to fight the oppression of the white man, I thought. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's talk about my book. I didn't say it would shock you, but it's a book by Kurt Busick, dear friend of ours. And, yeah. uh, you know, some artist by the name of Stort Eminen. What? What? Jonesy literally just had a stroke, and now he's lost feeling in his other side. This isn't a permaban book, is it? This is not a permaban. Okay. Jonesy thinks, Jonesy thinks I'm going to talk about secret identity, but this is none other than Superstar via IDW. What? Just new? This is new to the app. The comics app. It's from IDW. Um, I'll, I'll pull it up in a second and I can get a year. I think it's 2005. So Superstar came into the app. I've heard I've heard rumblings about this, and it's a vol. It's a it's volume one. It's about 70 pages, and it's about a hero. You know, very. I don't want to say 90s ish, but he's wearing kind of like leather pants and he's wearing oh, 2011. That doesn't look accurate. I have to check that date out. Might get the get the intern on that. Um, so 2011, it says it's a superhero that the more popular he is, the more powerful he is. Um, so he's fueled by these energy stations where people deposit um, their energy to give to the superhero. So the story opens in a very awesome way where the news is talking about superstar, like superstar possibly dating so-and-so. And And then they cut to a different story. They cut to a different story. They cut to a different story. And he's like exhausted and he's doing all these TV shows. And you come to see that his, his organization, the superstar team is run by his father who is a businessman. And he's trying to send him off to these areas that might help his popularity as a superhero and thus, you know, give him more power. So if he's not popular and his fans aren't making these kind of energy deposits, it look, you know, that when they do, when the, when the people do that, they just put their hand in like the sensor, like they're taking their blood pressure and it like, it reads their energy and they, they, they feed that to superstar. 
So if he's not keeping up appearances and doing great things for PR, then there is no superstar. And and he's wearing down this life of of doing that because now his dad is, you know, they're doing an action figure line where he's not happy about. He doesn't want to become a part of that. He just wants to do good. And it's Kurt Busick and Stuart Inman doing a superhero book. I mean, what more do you need right now? Jonesy, are you buying this comic right now? I am actually buying it as we speak. It's I I was reading it. I had downloaded it um, Wednesday because I saw that they did it. I had no idea what year it came out. It could have been like a near secret identity, and it. I mean, I would have bought it even faster. But it's very fun, and enjoyable. I mean, I don't have to say anything else. Secret Identity is one of the greatest comics of all time, and now they're doing another book about a superhero. Mm-hmm. And you, that I mean, I don't need to say anything else. I'm not even. I I, I didn't finish it. So mm. I'm only halfway through. What a what a mm. crazy concept! I th- I'm in love with the concept. It's new. I, I don't always need new and refreshing with my superheroes, but it's always good when you get it. Uh, I will be checking this book out. I want to try to see if I can find a date on this book. Yeah, some uh, fancy pants comic, there, Slim. Comic book DB Jonesy. You what, did you think I was going to talk about Secret Identity? Uh I didn't know. I, I knew it was going to be beautiful, whatever you talked about. <laughs> so I just assumed secret identity, and that would have blown my mind. How are the colors? Oh. Tell me about the colors. The colors, I mean, you it, you just come to expect a, a certain beauty with these two, and it does not disappoint. Let me tell you that. Because all I think about anymore in my life is Stuart Eminem's colored art in All New X-Men. And I just want to like take my iPad and hold it out in front of me like I'm George Hamilton trying to get a tan. I just want to like <laughs> bask in the bask in those colors daily. Uh, uh, I, I do want to say that according to Comic Book DB, uh, it, it came out around 2000. So it looks like we'll have to make some updates to this metadata right here. Um, I mean, go grab it. Go grab it right now. I don't even know if there was a volume two. I don't think there was. So this could be it. I mean, you're Man. wasting your life not going out and buying anything these two did. Kurt, please, if I tweet you, please retweet this. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Kurt. You know, I had in my notes that I wanted to use a new intro for you. What did I write down? Uh, Twitter retweet prostitute. <laughs> I had. Oh, We're running out of time. Enough talk about prostitution. We could We could be here all night, but we need to get into lightning round. It's a good topic. Get into it. Two sentences or less. Jonesy loves beer. What did you read this week? Vampirella Strikes, issue number one. Before reading this book, all I knew about Vampirella was the photorealistic covers, mainly focusing on her cleavage. Mm-hmm. I wish that's still all I knew. About Vampirella. <laughs> uh, Stumptown, number four. I remember way back when, when I was only mildly impressed with the first volume of Stumptown. This new volume of Stumptown, I just want to sleep with and be a prostitute for. <laughs> Brian Woods, Conan, one through three. 
in which Conan is a young hunk and has sex with a sexy sea goddess recommendation to buy concrete uh, underground book popular you know the, the the comic hipsters just adore it they love it to death you know this is they talk about their concrete you know they throw their concrete in your face and then they punch you with it <laughs> uh, I think it's by Mr. Paul Chadwick um, Jonesy loves beer. You are, you know, our astute hosts, host that we go to for the synopsis. You know how to read a synopsis. <laughs> and, uh, we're turning to you once again. So, Concrete. Uh, the first volume of Concrete, uh, Depths, is a collection of tales introducing the character of Ron Lithgow, who at some point in his past has become the sensational concrete. His brain has been transplanted into a alien rock body, giving him super strength, super senses. And uh, after doing a stint for the government, he's uh, decided he's going to turn to a life of adventure. And uh, so to chronicle these events, he introduces or rather hires the character of of Larry Monroe, a ace hipster novelist who is going to write Concrete's memoirs. Rounding out the three-person team is Maureen Vonnegut, who's like Concrete's um, uh, Dr. Tina McGee of Flash the Series. You know, his (laughs) quasi-love interest... Uh, always has them do these little tests. And uh, together they go into separate tales of adventure that always somehow end in unmitigated disaster. <laughs> and this pattern <laughs> continues for every short story in this first volume. Uh, to Slim's point, Concrete is the hipster Jesus of a hipster Catholic world. I mean, I can just imagine people in flannel shirts with skinny jeans with a comic book open and some polite guy, much as myself, is like, hey, fellow comic fan, uh, mayhaps what are you reading that's a comic? You wouldn't get it. It's concrete. Uh, or something <laughs> snotty like that in response. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. But then at 210 pages, this was a slog and a half to get through. I felt like my reading legs were in concrete trying to read this. Reading legs. Look out. So, uh, I, I don't know. I'm really on the fence about it. I, I think the stories were charming. I think the characters were charming. I thought they were very... Flip-flopping. We're witnessing a live flip-flop. It's, it's Josie Lowe's backpedaling. I don't know. I can't. I can't get a beat on this book. Cue my sigh, Sounder. Would you? Uh, I don't know. Dale, Slim. Dale underscore A. You're wearing the shawl of serenity. What did you think of Concrete Volume One? Concrete Volume One. Uh, I 
like like Busick and Eminem before it in the segment because Concrete came first. A fantastic idea. I I thought it was beautiful. I thought that uh, to to kind of get a grasp or a concept, most of Concrete appeared in Dark Horse Presents, so they were all mostly short-storied at the time. And the the short stories work for Concrete Stories. Take a... I like the concept of uh, a man abducted by aliens, put into this concrete body, and seeing what plays out. Like, he's he's known to the world. How does he survive? It's not like... Uh, when I first read, uh, read the description about concrete, I pictured... Uh, uh, or the forward. No, I read the foreword by Paul Chadwick, and it's like, you know, I, I invented this guy to see what he would kind of do in a, uh, you know, in real-world situations. And I pictured, like, concrete in office space. Like, mm-hmm. I pictured him just in a mundane job, but it was handled so much better than that. As creative as the concept is, he's a he's a guy made out of concrete. How does... The, how does he explain this to the world? And it's and it's tackled in these short stories. I mean, there he goes on more adventures than anyone ever in the this planet or the alternate dimension of uh, of this planet. He uh, he lives a, a very crazy life, and uh, I I I really liked it. Now at two hundred ten pages, it is a long book to get through, but. I mean, broken up into I don't know how many different short stories there were. If they were to, if they were to bind these differently, it would have been a shorter book. But it just didn't happen to work out that way. Um, I do, you know, this. I I I hearken this back. I think it was uh, also done maybe in Kingdom Come or the book before it. But I, I call it the the Commandy because that's where I first experienced it. But there's a lot of thought bubbles explaining situations or you know the thought process or dialogue doing that i I, there was a lot of that and that kind of i i kind of get on the fence about that but i i also don't know how the artist could uh the artist or writer would be able to execute upon that if they didn't just put it out there in a thought bubble the the intro by the creator i i started to really get into the book just by his intro because he was so confident in his his early work like his his intro into the book where he he almost like he didn't really have a ton of regrets he was it was almost like a cocky intro where he like thought he nailed it and like everything he was really Mm -hmm. proud of everything in this work and i mean his artwork is stunning it reminds me of steve rude uh Mm. steve rude anything like it's gorgeous stuff where yeah i was like thinking into my head um you know I don't, I don't know why, like his certain style where and it, it makes it sound like I'm thinking less of comic creators where I'm thinking to myself like, why was this guy doing concrete in 1987 or why wasn't he doing, you know, advertising for, you know, who, whomever. Maybe he was, I have no idea. Right. But the, the characterization of concrete in the early stories, I didn't like as much because the character felt so... Um, I don't know how to explain it. He just wasn't social. He wasn't like socialized or he didn't interact with people on a normal level. And 
I'm not, I don't want to chalk it up to him being concrete mm-hmm. as the character because it didn't feel that way when he was sent for the like the rock expedition. I mean, there were some really cool scenes where he interacted when he was trying to hire the guy and he was bored and all this yeah. other stuff. There were some really hilarious spots in that scene, but there were certain scenes where you feel like concrete should have been a hero and it really is a 180 away from how heroes should have acted in this scene. I kind of thought that when you when you talk about a secret origin or you read the issue that's a secret origin, he kind of spills to the reader that he always wanted to be one of the globe-trotting literary adventurers that he really admired them. Uh, Richard Burton was one of the names he drops. And it always seems to me that when he's in the spotlight, he just tries to personify that image and kind of slip into a character. But he's so, I mean, he's a speechwriter. He's not cut out to be a world-trotting adventurer. So that's like the basis of his failure. You know, he's, he's trying to be something he's not, even though he's got the means to do it. He doesn't have the personality upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying, the social skills to fulfill that role. So, right there. I mean, the the scenes where he would jump at the chance to, like the 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 cave in scene was interesting, where. I don't know. I'm not sure if it was just the writing, like where the Kate, where they got, he got out of the cave in that he was in, and then the scene, like his next statement was like, "All right, well, let's go to the next wing and get them people out." And they're like, "Well, they didn't make it." And then there was like a somber moment. And he's like, "Well, shall we? Shall we go up then?" Where it felt like there wasn't enough remorse in him, mm-hmm. and where he could still play it up to he's just doing it for the PR, or is he? And then, I guess it goes with the writer's hit the the creator's progression in writing because things definitely got better in the later volume um, where it makes me kind of bummed because every seminal work we try out where it feels like generally we're so, so in the first volume and we should like, well, just wait until you get to so-and-so. Well, maybe I don't want to feel like reading a 3000 pages to get to the gold standard, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how some of the people that love works like this, get to those great episodes like i don't know you guys i think you guys feel the same way like if i'm not impressed on the first volume you know the first you know six or seven issues whatever it is i'm not going to stick around to find out what makes your book so great but it just seems like the world is filled with people like you know that are just like oh yeah i gave it about 30 issues and then it really hit its stride like yeah i'm not that kind of fan i I guess I think, I mean, I, I feel the same way you do. I, I think maybe just, I hate to say that people don't, that people have more time on their hands than we do, but maybe that's the case. Like, maybe people are just willing to stick it out because, you know, they have this little piece of OCD or they got the time on their hands to finish it. Uh, whereas, you know, we're we're on the go. And even if we love... In my place in life right now, Starman or, uh, you know, even some of the most the more recent books, there's stuff that I want to keep on continue reading. I just can't. I don't have time to to read what I want to read and, you know, and not read what I have to read for the show. Not that I'm wet. Not that the show hinders me. I love the show and, and what I read for the show. It's just, Exclusive. you know that other stuff takes a back seat 
So how about the scene or the story where the boat that he tries to go across the ocean and his boat capsizes? <laughs> Do you, did he? I'm, maybe it was just glossed over and assumed, but did he take the the sailboat that he found? Did he kill the inhabitants of that boat to bring it to them? I don't think so. That was a. I wondered that too, and it was never touched upon. It was dropped. I don't. I can't imagine. But I mean, he loves Maureen, and he because the hope the the hipster was reading the logs, and he said that the it ch- the logs were talking about something happening, and then it changed languages, and then he, it was like a shocking revelation, and then it totally changed, and then at the end of that story, the hipster writer was going to bring something up to him, and then they they changed their mind. They weren't going to get into it. I assume mm-hmm. that he got rid of those people to bring that boat to them. I think it's probably more plausible that he killed them by accident and then just tried to cover it up. Maybe, yeah. Actually, that's probably likely. Real quick, that that story, though, that one page with all the little boxes of him swimming, swimming amazing. Like, such a fantastic vision for what... Uh, what Paul Chadwick was doing with the concrete. I mean, any, any picture of concrete with the uh, swim fins on was just beautiful with the super long swim fins. But that one page just stuck out because it was the only one of its kind, I think in the whole book, but they were like little tiny. It was like a microfiche of a film with him (laughs) just doing like, like the butterfly stroke or whatever concrete was doing. I don't know. Microfiche is one of my all time favorite words. That's on my list. Oh, it's it's up there with lozenge. The how about the this, the alien story where they tell like he retells the story of him getting the concrete armor with his buddy. You know, as he was going, he just got out of the divorce. The design and layouts of that facility were amazing. Everything about that story, like art wise, was was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The um, even the ending was pretty dour and dark you know that they they made the decision to leave over you know getting their bodies back and then his buddy decides to stay and then the ship leaves and then he's screwed yeah presumably the guys on the sh- on the alien ship getting shot off in outer space i all, all the all the stories and there's very few that end on a positive or kind of good note um but but Paul Chadwick explained, you know, he tells what tells it like it is in the forward. He was like obsessed with uh, that thought process of somebody putting that survival esque situation and, you know, how it would really turn out. I was just proud of the uh, the hipster novel guy for getting a handful of Maureen's boob on the raft there. <laughs> totally did. Remember that? I mean, they were near death. How unattractive yeah. must they both have been at that point? You know, just oh. baked to smithereens. I kept thinking like, about how bad is their breath? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the most far out, like, scenario. That was almost unbelievable. If any, I mean, they're all fantastical and unbelievable, but that one was just like, they didn't get stuck out there in the ocean with concrete. Like, I'm believing concrete's out there <laughs> swimming in the ocean. I'm like, they didn't capsize their boat and get stuck on that raft for months. Let's get out of here. And then, and then they just go back to work the next day as soon as they get back <laughs> back to land. The rock, or the, or the rock, I want to say rock climbing, but 
I don't know what they're like the spelunking expedition that he went on as a kid and he met that one kid that was, you know, had similar tastes and, and likes and that kid went missing inside the, the caves. That was a pretty dark story too, but just gorgeous and well done. Maybe we're going to find out that concrete was like a serial killer throughout his whole life. (laughs) What was the one at the, the, there was like the Rick James story. Where he befriended yeah. that Rick James S character, the Duke. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I don't think I liked the very last or the second to last page as much as I had liked the cave expedition one. Where oh yeah, because kid. the cave expedition one was like very close to the end. Um, whereas the last couple pages was, uh, what was that? Blocked um, out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was the um like the hitchhiking episode, I think, where it wasn't even concrete. It was just remember he was hitchhiking to Philadelphia to see his sister and it was uh concrete before he was concrete. Ah, I must not have read and that one. Oh, and he's telling a story of like all the people. It almost sounded like bio, autobiographical, but he was hitching a, across the nation and he just uh was running into telling stories of the different people who were picking him up while he was hitchhiking across the USA. Hmm. So the closing for this one, Jonesy would be giving two vehement thumbs down on concrete. Right. Yeah. Poss- I, yeah. Possibly into concrete. He's thumbing into concrete right now. <laughs> My gray concrete shirt. And Dale, you know, this was, this was your pick. What, what's your, what's your official diagnosis on this one? Um, My official diagnosis is I'm glad we read this and the, the, following volumes will go onto that list of comics that I want to read, but I'll never get to. Right. Astro City, I think, I, is at the top of the list for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect example of uh, one uh, one more recent. That was, um, a, that was a highlight of your prostitution Twitter ring when uh, <laughs> Kurt Busiek was upset that we never did go into the, the later volumes. Mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, I think it's one of the last times, too, I got a retweet. Uh, Mark Wade didn't bite. Who else didn't bite? Brian Bendis, of course, <laughs> didn't bite. It's a busy guy. Bendy uh, doesn't have time for us. But uh, if you guys have the means, I I do highly recommend Concrete. Uh, it's a different kind of book, and check it out. I really think you guys might like it, or at least uh, experience something after reading. Boredom. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. If you have thoughts on, you know, the three hosts that you love so much, there's never been more than three hosts in the show. Email letters at paperkeg.com. We'll read on the show. Hands, hands to God. It might happen. live. What's the, what's the situation of letters this week? <clears throat> All right. Uh, I'm going to shoot the first one. Just f- This is from uh, Unknown. Just finished listening to the Kingdom Come show and, like always, loved it. You guys had me giggling like a little girl while I was on my morning walk, and now I think my neighbors are starting to think I'm bat-ass nuts. <laughs> anyway, keep up the great work, and I will be eagerly awaiting the next installment. P.S., who does the song at the, at the end of your show? Question mark. PSS. Still not going to read Transmet. That's right. That's harsh. That's right. Harsh in my buzz right there, friend. And then the who does the song at the end of the show? 
That is uh, My Morning Jacket. Hand, uh, one of I went to see them live, and that was the song they opened to, and I just remember being exquisitely bad A, and it, um, it ended up becoming a permanent fixture on the show. Uh, hand to God, I feel the same way. <laughs> I love that show. I love that song. Uh, I need to check the letters to see who that was. Uh, Dragon Fro. Was it Dragon Fro? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Okay, because I don't have that here. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll tell you what. Um, My Morning Jacket is a great band. Uh, the front man's name, I'm almost positive, is Jim James. If I can get the what? intern on that to confirm, it, it might be Jim James. I'm working on it. Intern? Thank you. Or rather, the intern is. Dragon Fro uh, cracked me up with the um, when he called himself the mayor of getting everything wrong. And then he said, hashtag RIP Mike, hashtag Columbus. <laughs> I thought I that was, that I got a good hearty chuckle out of that. He, it uh, is Jim Dragon James. Dragon Pro turned me on to Tegan and Sarah on the Twitter from Music Keg right now. I, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll walk with that guy into the depths of the deepest lava. Tartar recommendation. Wow. He's, he's, I'll, I'll, he's got some good picks. I'll tell you what. Wow. The highest praise. Mm-hmm. Slim, a praise from Slim is basically... Man, Slim doesn't best. even like his own mother. <laughs> uh, am I doing... Jones, do you have the letters or am I doing them all? Yes, I will I will take the next. I finally read Secret Identity. And I, Parker, ha- and I have to say, it is probably my favorite Superman book. In parentheses, haven't read many. Many thanks to Jonesy that's right, for writing the wrong of me not having and reading this. I really connected with Superman on this because of his desire to be the normal family man type of guy. Freaking loved it. I also read Birthright over the holiday. Many thanks to Slim. Wade Shure didn't let me down, and now that I've read two great Superman stories, I think I can tone down my Superman is lame hate. But don't. Don't tone it down. Though after reading these in the holiday season... I kept imagining an extra panel here and there where Aunt Bethany showed up and said, Don't throw me down, Clark. <laughs> so with me on a Superman kick, Jesus, what, what are y'all's expectations of the new movie coming out this year? Is there a story that's been done in the comic and it's supposed to follow? Ramsden. Your reading style is so... It's strange, Jonesy. I don't know what to, how to put my finger on it. It feels like you're a school teacher and you just intercepted two kids' notes in your <laughs> class and you're going to read it out loud real obnoxiously to, to poke fun at them. That's what it feels like. Man of Steel looks fantastic. That's my two cents on that movie. I um, I think it looks it looks dark. I hope it's not as dark as Zack Snyder movie trailer keg uh makes it out to be with his somber song mm. um i hope pa kent isn't as heartless as he they make him out to be he's a father dale what was that uh, smashing pumpkin song he picked for the Watchmen oh, trailer yeah. that was a great trailer I'll tell you what that guy knows how to cut a trailer hey guys just got a message from the president of the internet he has officially promoted jonesy to vp of not getting on treadmills <laughs> congrats jonesy well deserved Hashtag R.I.P. Jonesy Arm. Signed, <laughs> Boo Richard. <laughs> Dragon Fro, get yourself a mixer, and you are going to be the fourth host of the show. <laughs> oh, man. Why do I have to get the long ones? I know it's made now, even now longer I'm afraid by if I, reading. If I 
Because I Read made one comment about your reading style, and now you're going to be all stressed out about it. I'll be I'll be tweeting you on my deathbed about that. <laughs> hey guys, I haven't written in since the show returned, but I am so incredibly grateful every week that I have this show to look forward to. Keep it up. Terrible, it's terrible. This Recently, there has been a lot of Marvel Now versus DC 52 talk. Mostly people have been saying how much better Now has been. I want to point out that DC launched 52 titles in a month, and while some were terrible at, at the gate, I believe Stormwatch became synonymous with the word garbage on this show. <laughs> there were a lot of books that people were high on and stayed with for a good bit of time. Marvel is two months in, sure, but they rolled out their big hitters first. Yes, there are five or six strong titles, but how many people are raving about Morbius or Alpha or Cable and the X-Force, not to mention many of the series that are still not released? Is it possible that Marvel now seems better because of how it is being launched, with its subpar titles sneaking out behind critically praised books that are already two or three issues in? More so than there are actually being more quality titles being released as Marvel Now books that DC published in its opening months of the New 52. I read that with the wrong inflection. I apologize. I'm not apologizing for DC in any way, but I do think they still have as many strong titles as Marvel has in their new Now line. We will see in 8 to 10 months, especially with the double shipping instantly, how many of these books are still high quality. Keep up the good work. Penuch. Penuch. Great letter. He's right on about the the funk, the filth in the Marvel line, maybe being uh, like obscured by the you know the popular books. But I think I think Marvel's ultimate goal is to have maybe about like twenty or thirty great books, and then just double ship them, and yeah, then they'll just exactly. like take they'll take a few chances on some other titles. Like She Hulk, I really loved the first two issues, and then I don't know what I just pl- plum forgot about the title for two months. I couldn't stop talking about that book when I first read it. Mm-hmm. And then I picked up the third issue of the run. It's got a different artist on it, and I was like immediately turned off in the first two pages. I don't even know if I want to read it again. That's, that's, that's how they do it to you. And so it's the uh, the numbers game. They get you confused like the shell game on the you know on the street corner when you get hustled, you know, with the shell game. Uh, Free card, uh, Andy. Hashtag shell game. I did read uh, Morbius, though. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Hashtag microfiche. I don't know. How I, f- I don't know how I feel about Joe Keating's writing style. I'll wait until you read it, Dale, to to make okay. any further comments. I will uh, get back to you then. Uh, good, good letter though, Panooch. That's it. You kind of might be right. I'm I'm going to be in Marvel Now's corner only because I am. But I think DC could cut out like thirty books that they do. Yeah, easily. easily. I mean, just make just call it the the new twenty. <laughs> the new 22 the new 22 and it'll be fine I mean do some double shipping put whatever creative teams you have and double ship Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and Justice League yeah get some, and make them three ninety nine. get some and talent on those books yeah who cares F the nerds buying you know Mr. Terrific or whatever that garbage is out there Amethyst and the and the Rainbow Fairies of that is a crazy book. I don't know. I, I saw mean, that on the app one day, and I was like, I, "Is this under the wrong publisher? What's happening right now? Is this is this number fifty two? Does it have to be number fifty two? Oh god. Uh, we got one more letter. Uh, another one from Dragonfro. Props to Dragonfro. 
Hey, fellas, first off, loved all the love for Kingdom Come. Awesome book. Have a suggestion for a book club. The beginning of Captain Marvel, Volume 3, the run by Peter David. Rest in peace. The only complete run of an ongoing in my collection. It's action-packed, crazy, and damn funny. Thanks for the love, last app. Uh, last app, right back at y'all. Hmm. Um, there you go. One for the uh, book club recommendations. I know C- Captain Marvel, for a fact, is on our book club uh, to possible list. I didn't think about Volume 3, though. Hmm. I was thinking well, about the Brian Reed. I wonder if that's what it is. No, because obviously Peter David did this one. Pad. Never, I never really read anything Captain Marvel outside of um, Kelly Sue's, and I actually have never gotten past the first two issues. And I liked it. I don't know what and that's. Yeah. Another thing, I liked the first two issues, and I trump it up, and then I just plum forget about it. Yep. I uh, I hear you. But uh, well, I'm going to throw that on the list and do some research. If it uh, seems more interesting than my Brian Reed. Oh, that's Ms. Marvel anyway. That's different. Oh, Never get mind. that out of here. Never mind. So Captain Marvel is going on there alongside of Ms. Marvel. I'm not taking Ms. Marvel off the list until we do it. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. I will. I'm not going to force you into anything. I'm not. You're not. Never. Jonesy, I, you know, you know, I didn't mean anything by the way you read your letters. I didn't mean anything. No, I just saw Never to Speak burn Again. You. Uh, you know, we just run with a really rough crowd. You know, we like to bust each other's chops. Yeah, and we I thought get... you. I thought you knew that. I do. He's, he's, we're, we're cool. He's stone silent. This, we're cool. This is the he's, NR. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... <laughs> We've only ever had two hosts, Dale underscore A and two, at Slim. The two original. What a show! Next show, the contractually obligated no capes episode. <laughs> contractually obligated. That's a Mark's Rider. No superhero talk, whatsoever. This is this episode's for you. This one's for you. Trademark paper keg. Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see everybody. R.I.P. Mike. Next <laughs> week. So my picks for possible book clubs. Alright, so I have... Bastion, please! <laughs> I have on my list for episode... Princess! Hashtag 083, Ghost World. Whoa. Right? So that's that's a nomination. I have V for Vendetta. Never, Isn't that like 750 pages long? Never been done. Uh, we'll get the intern on that, because if it is... Or is that From Hell? From Hell is like 400 pages. Mouse. Mm. You know, you talked about it. It's like the graphic novel version of Sandman, in terms of we might never do it. 
uh, and I also have From Hell. Those are my those are my suggestions. I'm just gonna throw them out there. I I think From Hell's too long to read in a week. To be honest, I think it is something like three hundred and change page wise. Throw your um, suggestion in the garbage. Like VP of uh, never wanting to do anything fun. There you go. You okay. have your official title. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're fired, and I've rescinded that title. <laughs> I've actually already filled the position with somebody else. <laughs> the, the promotion has already gone through. All right. So <laughs> we'll, let's hear some other suggestions uh, for the the no capes episode. Everybody speak at once with their. I don't know. Um, we can still stew on it. We don't have to make a decision now. I just wanted to. That's tough. That we're going to have to make a decision soon. You know, anytime we make a decision, it could be tonight. I'll probably still won't start reading it until the day of we record. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's just a that's just a stone cold fact. Uh, what about? Uh, oh, there's some good ones. I we really should do V for Vendetta for the show. Um, yeah, you know because it's you know it's something we're gonna we would have to tackle eventually. Um, there's some good ones though. I mean, RK has got a plum. Plum chock full of tail of sand, tail of porking your mind out with <laughs> with a big uh, fake one, you know. Uh, boy, this is. I mean, it's almost only like one a.m. I mean, am I the only one that's that slurped to five hour before we recorded? It's one twenty-seven. <laughs> what about a unwritten? Did we ever try to do that book? No, or is, never did. is it too, it's supernatural. I mean, are we staying away from supernatural as well as superhero? Mm, I don't have an opinion either way. Hmm. I mean, uh, uh, for what I remember, I think I read the trade almost maybe a couple of years ago now. Mark did you like it? And I think I remember liking it. It was, I think the premise is the. <clears throat> it's like Harry Potter, right? Right. It's Harry Potter-esque. I believe the main character is the son of uh, the author who wrote a series of Harry Potter-like books with the son as the main character. So he kind of uh, goes through life kind of trading in on that popularity. But then he also kind of finds out that it's kind of real. But it's not as lame as I just made it out to sound. It's I, I think I remember it being very good. It's very popular. It's popular. I will... Um throw this out there this is getting meta because we are the only three hosts that have ever been on paper keg before but uh there was a fourth who kind of had the idea for a no capes episode i don't know if he had something in mind that maybe he wanted to voice and if he doesn't at least get to voice it he might walk off i don't know or he might go on another cruise permanent cruise Hashtag contractu- contractually obligated. <laughs> Permanent vacation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Permanent vacation, then? Um, I didn't have any rebuttals. My rebuttal was... Oh, you uh, so you read Conan. I did. I uh, snagged uh, the first three issues thanks to that Brian Woods sale. Man, you just were cutting swaths through that Dark Horse app uh, website the other day. You, <laughs> you just know, spent I, uh, some time on there and bought other things. I'm surprised. I... I live to surprise you, Dale underscore A, um, Shawl underscore A, and I really liked it. 
I liked uh, the first, or I liked the first three issues. I thought the the ending, the issue two. I, I like as I was reading, I was thinking back to the buzz, the paper cake buzz on Conan by Brian Wood at the time when you were reading it. Yeah, and uh, I, I liked it. It's fun. You know, I can't imagine paying three fifty for it at the time or three ninety nine at, at the time. I mean, ninety nine cent sales. Yeah, pe- people eat them up. It's they true, eat them up to man. death. That is true. It's pl- it's always a good surprise when you uh, come across a ninety nine cent sale. I'll tell you that much. They also added volume three of Fear Agent, which they didn't have at launch of his omnibus. That's right. I saw Remendo's tweet regarding that. Oh, did I didn't see that? Hmm. Yeah. I didn't. St- I must not have stalked his Twitter yesterday. Hmm. The uh, how about that Superstar book by Kurt Busiek and uh, Eminent Jonesy? Huh? I huh? cannot wait to read it. I didn't even know it existed. I feel so terrible as a fan. Oh my god! I feel like dog s. I can't wait. To, I can't wait for Busiek to be disappointed that we only read uh, part <laughs> of, or or for some reason he's pissed that we've read it at all because we didn't talk about the whole thing or 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 whatever. I don't think he's the type of guy to get pissed. I think he's just a guy like us. Twitter bro. retweet prostitute. Heard here first. Well, I, I'm just saying that, he will have that. Shaw cape has made you bold, Dale underscore A. So Stumptown Volume Four. I'm like Quail Man. <laughs> You're uh, enjoying Stumptown Volume Two more than Volume One. Did I hear that correctly, or did I read that cor- incorrectly? Um, yeah, you heard that, and I don't know if it's uh, maybe. Have you read Volume Two? I read the first two issues. And I felt like the art was drastically different, but it's the same artist, Matthew Southworth. Yeah, that feels really different. I don't know what is going on. It feels different, but I I almost want to say I it's contributing to my enjoyment more. Hmm. I I knew the uh, the liberties or the direction he went in the first volume. I remember it being a point of a talking point as to maybe why. I didn't enjoy it. I knew there was something about his art. I don't know if I thought I enjoyed it more the first volume or other than the few panels with like the the squares with the geese flying under the bridge. I remember that pan, the, that page specifically from volume one. It might have been the first page. Um, there was a reason why his artwork stuck out more. I'm in, but I'm I'm enjoying. I'm really enjoying this uh, second volume. It's it seems to make a little more sense. It's, it seems a little more streamlined or something, mm-hmm. and the uh, I I like the uh, story where you know it started out as um, them hiring Dex to find a guitar, which is really cool. Um, I I, wa- I think I want to say that the colorist changed, but now I'm, I want to say that the colorist in the first one was our boy from Uncanny X Force. Let me see if I can corroborate that. Sometime volume one, the colorist was oh, it was Lee Lowridge from that I remember from Fear Agent. So definitely different colorists at least. I don't know if that's it, but hmm. but I'm glad. And I, I tell you what, a beautiful hardcover volume one out. The comic book shop has it in Delaware. Hmm. But uh, that I mean, I instantly like the book better because of that. As well, you should show sponsor the comic book shop in Delaware. Check them out. Love them. Um, the tie tie. We might have some. Some Nias. Ooh, yeah. Some comic shop Nias. Some breaking Nias. If you're in the Delaware, 
Valley pack your, area. Pack your bags if you're not in the Delaware Valley. Pack area. your bags. Sim. Pack your popcorn ready. Also, uh, February 16th, <laughs> Larry Hama and Fred Van Lenty is coming to the comic book shop. They will be signing Jonesy's son's face. That's what I'm hoping. Immediately in a soft spot. Immediately going to a tattoo shop afterwards to permanentize the signature. He'll thank me one day. <laughs>